Hey, Scott and John here with Bible Mysteries. We want to thank you for being a listener, but we'd love to invite you to become a subscriber. Absolutely. This will only help us to expand the amount of people that we're able to reach and show the secrets in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. And if you subscribe to Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast, you get some great benefits. Access to every current episode, the full thing, even with our interviews and any special events we do. Plus, we have downloadable show notes. We have our community forum and Slack that you can join. And we have our Bible Mysteries monthly newsletter. So for just $7 a month, you can help support us get the word out and defeat the satanic global elite. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks again for listening and enjoy the episode. Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 124, The Chariots of Fire, part two. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. This second part to our Chariots of Fire is brought to you by our seekers, Fabian F., Bruce C., and John B., who subscribed to Bible Mysteries Podcast Premium in October of 2022. Please enjoy part two of Chariots of Fire. Now, go to Revelation 6, and let's compare, because then we have to deal with the terms bay grizzled, uh, which Ezekiel, or rather Zechariah, describes but <clears throat> Revelation 6 describes as pale. Yeah. All right, so verse 1 of chapter 6, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. Well, we saw the white horse. Okay. And he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Ryan Peterson, you know, I asked him the question, do you think this is Christ? Is this Antichrist? He said, Neither. It's one of these angels. Okay. It's one of the four spirits. Mm-hmm. It's the same group that Zechariah wrote about. Hmm. I completely agree with that now because I've tried to make the argument both ways. Is it Jesus? Is it Danny Christ? You know, okay. it's neither one. What are they doing to conquer? Well, it has something to do with the tribulation, the time of bringing about God's wrath on the earth. So the conquering could be, for all we know, the way this spirit has been given permission to go forth and gather together and bring about the satanic global elite. Okay. That's who's conquering us right now. Yeah. Through uh, corporatocracy. Yeah. Through pandemics. Through horrible foreign policy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And through the accumulation of wealth. Verse 3, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. I don't think there's been a sustained period of peace since Jesus Christ died. Yeah, I would agree with that. When you think about because we talk about wars and rumors of wars. We even mentioned that before we started yeah. today. And I think that's been going on for 2,000 years. There's never been a time period that we haven't, especially the United States, but yeah. that's a whole other thing, always in a war. Somewhere. Always in a war. Well, it makes so much money. Yeah, so. it is. That's what uh, that's what Dwight Eisenhower warned us about. Yeah. The military-industrial complex, right? He tried to, anyway. 
Um, verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast uh, say, come and see. And by the way, these beasts appear to be the same living creatures that, Ze that Ezekiel saw okay. in chapter 1. Uh, they're same like them, you know. I beheld and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on it had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now, um, we could also see that economic misfortune has been on this earth for 2,000 years. There's been yeah. nations that were prosperous, sure, but usually at the expense of others. When you think about slave labor in China or Bangladesh or Africa... Yeah. You know, mining for diamonds for the De Beers family, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, there's always impoverished people that are exploited by a, a conquering colonial power. Yeah. So clearly there's something going on there. And, and nations see both. They see prosperity and they see decline. And they see decline, yeah. And we've had our own depressions, Great Depression, oh, yeah. everything else. Uh, and when, uh, and by the way, hurting out the oil and the wine, um, I still contend that could be a reference to the power of the Holy Spirit and the doctrine of Christ operating through the world during this time. That in spite of the calamities, we're still preaching the cross. Hmm. Oil and okay. wine are symbolic of the Holy Spirit and wine. Christ said you don't put new wine in old bottles. Yeah. yeah. Put them in new bottles. The new doctrine. He brought about the New Testament. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I think that could be referring to that. Because if this pertains to it's been going on for 2,000 years, then oil, as we understand petroleum, didn't exist. Not until 18. No, we're talking anointing oil, yeah. right? Olive oil. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think that's what he means. And I think it's a reference to the Holy Spirit. Okay. I really do. And then verse 7, when he'd opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And Ryan Peterson also contends that has been going on. It's part yeah. of the beginning of sorrows. Okay. Certainly mm -hmm. war is one of the means why they've been killing with the sword. Mm -hmm. Hunger, okay. just like we described, the, 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 yeah. the three prior beasts, you know, uh, or horses rather. Mm -hmm. we're, we're describing that uh, with death and the beasts of the earth. And the beasts of the earth could have something to do with um, either the satanic global elite or perhaps huh. hybridization of Nephilim wow. entities. Wow, okay. Yeah, could be. They're described as brute beasts fit made to be destroyed later on in the book of Jude. So it could have something to do with that. And then uh, we're not going to get into the other seals there, but these horses of Revelation, Ryan suggests, match Zechariah 6. I believe they do. The four spirits of God in Zechariah are perhaps, perhaps these four angels, and they're horsemen probably riding chariots, horses pulling chariots. Yeah. Now, the, the thing about the grizzled and bay description of the fourth group of horses in Zechariah versus the pale horse in um Revelation 6, grizzled means spotted or marked. Okay. Bay means dappled. What does dappled mean? <laughs> uh, well, have you ever heard of a horse called a dapple gray? Uh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Were they're like, spotted horses. Yeah. It's they're like white, white and gray kind of mixed yeah. together. Yeah. Kind of like I think there are dark dappled breeds. And, of course, we breed horses selectively now yeah, you know, yeah. in such ways that we can pretty much make any combination we want. You yeah. Know? But um, historically, dappled horses are pale. 
Okay. Now, what's really interesting about the word pale in Revelation is it's literally the word for green in Greek. Hmm. Right? Okay. Green. It's almost like if you take a spotted speckled horse and and he's the base color is a whitish mm-hmm. color and you put the gray in there, it could come with a greenish tint to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's the same color. What Zechariah describes as gristled in bay is pale in John's revelation. Okay. I think they're the same thing. Therefore, I agree with Ryan that he's describing the same group of horses and horsemen. Okay. And what Revelation doesn't say, but what I think is going on, is they're on fire. Hmm. And I don't mean burning with fire as we understand it. Yeah. I mean back to this idea of a conveyance, a form of transportation somehow, hmm. right? Yeah. Now, go to Revelation 19. We don't know if these angels here... Uh, being described in Zechariah or Revelation are the angels of God and good angels like they were in Second Kings, the chariots of God in the mountains, you yeah, know, yeah. right, to, to protect Elisha or Elisha. But we do know that angels ride horses, the angels of God do, and so does Jesus Christ. Okay. Now you think about the creator of heaven and earth here, Jesus Christ. By him were all things made. He's coming back, we know that. Yeah. And he's coming back on a horse. Why does he need a horse? And it's a white horse. Yeah. All right. So look in chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 11. Oops. Uh, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. I think that's where the connection was drawn between this white horse in Revelation 6 and Christ. You know, and some have uh, argued it was Jesus coming back. Okay. And he's the conqueror. But, you know, he, he says he has a bow to conquer. So the bow and arrow seem to be something other than what Christ is holding here. He's got a sword. Yeah. Right. So I don't think it's Christ anymore. I don't think it's the Antichrist either. Uh, I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. This is Jesus. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. There's your fire. Yeah. So it's almost like, is he is he burning? Is he, is he ghost rider? <laughs> yeah. Comic books, you know? Or is he glowing with radiance, with eminence, with his power and glory? Or is he in a vehicle that conveys and it transmits a light as it progresses through the heavens, you know? Which is also baffling because now you're talking about Jesus Christ riding in a craft. Yeah. And why Which would, would you go? I know, but my first question there would be go, what does he need a craft for? Can't, I guess our assumption is that he's omnipresent, like he could just be anywhere he yeah. wants to at any time, right? But so why do you need a craft he's for? He's express image of God's person. Yeah. So God's invisible. Nobody's ever seen him. Yeah. Right? The Father. But the Son is the express image of his person. So Jesus Christ is absolutely physical. He yeah. walked with yeah. Eden in the Garden of God, or with Adam, rather, in the Garden of God. Uh, he uh, appeared before the Twelve when he rose from the dead. Like I told you, he yeah. ate with yeah. them. He ascended up to the Father, and I said a cloud received him out of their sight. Well, how do we know it wasn't to mask a vehicle? Hmm. And then he, then he goes up to heaven, and he's coming back. And here's the thing. If he doesn't need a conveyance at all, why ride a horse if it's a physical horse as we understand it? And how does a horse travel through the heavens down to the earth anyway? How's it going to breathe? Yeah, you know, exactly. Just, it, it, so many questions. I think it's symbolic, Yeah, as much of the language in Revelation is. And, and it doesn't bother me if there's a galactic horse that can fly and, and come to the earth. I think it's the coolest thing you'd ever see. <laughs> you know, look at the Valkyrie arriving, you yeah. know, from Asgard. Yeah. But there again, is it really that or is it something else? 
So his eyes were as a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. No question about this is Jesus Christ, not Revelation 6. Verse 14, watch this. And the armies which were in heaven, whoever they might be, their heavenly host, uh, followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Why do they need horses? Yeah. And are they horses or are they, as we've been seeing, chariots? Mm-hmm. And in fact, chariots of fire. And verse 15, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now, again, if we're looking at it literally and you're seeing, okay, Jesus riding a white horse, like a like an Arabian, like you could think of an Arabian horse today. Yeah. And he's riding it in a white robe and he's got a big sword sticking out of his mouth. That's the description here. Yeah. First that's, of all, that's bizarre. Who would ride a horse like that? Yeah, you know, your horse is in, your sword is in your hand, yeah. or at your side. If it's in your mouth, and suddenly the horse bucks you off, <laughs> you've just impaled yeah. yourself with your own sword. So I don't think that that's meant to be. He's literally right. It's the word of God, the sword okay. of his mouth. Yeah. It's the rod of iron. Okay, and we should rule them mm-hmm. with the rod of iron. It's the law that he's going to apply during the millennium. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. He's not literally stepping into a big vat of grapes. Mm-hmm. This is the wrath of God. Yeah. So it's described as the winepress. So you see the symbolic language here. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't the horses be symbolic too? Oh, absolutely. I mean, And why aren't there chariots, right? This is all put into language that only people at this time period would even fathom, right? I agree. Or understand. Because I agree. You can't talk about... A spaceship or whatever, for lack that'd be our terminology. You got to talk about a horse because that's the only thing they knew to, yeah, that, that you could travel on a chariot, a horse, you know, I, some I other kind of animal agree. or something like that. It's the only thing that, or this book would be twice as long because you'd be sitting there trying to describe these things <laughs> to yeah. them, right? I don't know exactly. Well, let's look at some things that maybe the Apostle Paul said and other writers to give us some indication. Uh, how should we be looking at this to understand it, to interpret it? Because I, I believe the Bible is literal. I take it literally. But mm-hmm. I also believe God incorporated intentionally esoteric language that is meant for to be spiritually discerned. Okay. And we're not at liberty to just interpret willy-nilly. You know, we have to let Bible interpret Bible. Yeah. So let's do that. In Colossians 2, Paul wrote in verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. Now, he's talking about physical things according to the law of Moses okay. there, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Hmm. So everything pertaining to the law, the sacrifices and whatnot, are pictures of Christ. Okay. They're shadows of heavenly things. Okay. So could it be true of other things on the earth, like horses, like chariots? Are they shadows of heavenly things? Hmm, Not the fact you look at your own shadow. If I see you standing and the sun is shining and your shadow is 10 feet long, well, I don't think you're a giant. (laughs) You're taller than me, but you're not that tall, (laughs) right? So uh, I see the shadow and I know that's a, it's John's shadow, but it's not John. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, just a, a silhouette of your body in that shape at that moment in time with the sun. Yeah. Right. So, and there's other times when you're, the sun's at a different angle, you look like you're two feet tall. Okay. Right. Cause it squashes yeah. your shadow down. It's still not you. It's a, it's a representation of you 
because it's a shadow. Yeah. So let's yeah. look at the shadow a little more closely in Hebrews 8. And the author of Hebrew gives us a further bit of detail concerning heavenly things that have a shadow. And we understand the shadow, but it's meant to be a representation of something else. So Hebrews chapter 8, verse 3, for every high priest, again, the law, is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man, and he's referring to Jesus, the great high priest, have someone also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law. So then Jesus, the great high priest, is not on earth. Okay. There's already yeah. earthly priests to do that role. He's the high priest of heaven. All right, And he says, they offer gifts according to the law, verse 5, who serve, these priests on earth, unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, now you know the tabernacle was the, before there was a temple, there okay. was the mobile mass unit temple, yeah, yeah. the tabernacle, right, yeah. that Moses built according to God's instructions. And he said, for see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. Now, why was it so important that Moses make the tabernacle according to the exact pattern that God gave him? Because it's a shadow of heavenly things. Okay. Yeah. There is a temple in heaven. <clears throat> it's in the city of New Jerusalem. Okay. And Moses was instructed to make it exactly because it's a shadow and picture of the real. It's not the real. Hmm. It's just a facsimile. Yeah. But it's not the fit. And I don't believe that the temple in heaven is made of badger skins. Okay. Or even stone. Yeah. As we understood Solomon to make the temple and cedar wood and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's made of gold and precious stones and something hmm. completely different. Which, by the way, are physical. That yeah. city, if it's inhabited by saints that are arisen in their new bodies like the angels. Well, we're physical. We're Christ said, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house. Many mansions. Was he just lying? Well, really, it's just a ghostly house. Well, why does a ghost need a house? Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Unless you're haunting something. Yeah. Right? And if you're haunting it, it's a physical house. I don't believe in ghosts, folks. I want you to know. I'm just <laughs> using that as an analogy. So things on earth are a shadow of heavenly things. Could our earthly horses be a picture of something entirely different in heaven? Yeah. Could they be a shadow? Of heavenly things. Could the conveyance that uh, the vehicles that uh, angels use actually be um, something that we can only describe as horse-drawn chariots? Hmm. Or, or maybe they could only describe it 2,000 years ago. But we would look at it as something hmm. else. So go back to Revelation 9. Okay. And I know we're a little over time, John, but I'm not concerned about it. I think we, if we... If we go an hour, people don't really bother. They don't, they don't mind. Yeah, it's a good discussion. Yeah. I think they're going, no, don't cut it off yet. Yeah. Have to wait another week. <laughs> now, we know that uh, after the seals are open, some trumpets are blown, and then some horrible things happen on the earth. Yeah. Right. And in chapter 9, verse 1, the fifth angel sounded a trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him, the star is male. Okay. <laughs> was given the key of the bottomless pit. So once again, a star, if we, as we understand a star today, it's a giant gas thing yeah, of yeah. nuclear fusion or fission or whatever, whatever they claim a star. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if it fell to the earth, it would incinerate everything. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's clearly not the star as in a sun. Yeah. It is an angel. All right. And uh, it's male. And he was given a key to the bottomless pit. And the key could be symbolic of something else, but we think of it as a key. Yeah. And we talked about CERN in another episode. Yeah, so absolutely. maybe CERN is that key. Okay. Right. Verse two. And he opened the bottomless pit. And there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. That's got to be a physical darkening if the sun and the moon or the air are darkened. Who's it darkened for? Humans. Yeah. Right? So while this is a spiritual portal being opened, the bottomless pit, no, there's no place you could go on earth and see this. Yeah. Uh, so wherever it is, it's a spiritual realm. But when it's opened, it has a physical effect on our dimension. Okay. Sun blacked yeah. out, air blacked out. Verse 3, And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and under them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, are these just a bunch of flying bugs, or are they the locusts, the description for something yeah. that's a spiritual entity? Right? Okay. Verse uh, 4, and it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass or the earth, neither any green thing, so they're physical. Yeah. They have the capacity to hurt physical things. Neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And these are the individuals that never take the mark. Yeah. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. Whatever these things are, these Locusts like a scorpion. Their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh the man. They, they have a physical ability to, to hurt you with pain. Yeah. But they can't kill you, verse 6. But it's going to be bad pain because in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. And why can't they die? Well, we've talked about this before, but I'm going to rehash it, right? So yeah. it seems like they've... All of these people have taken the mark of the beast, I agree. which has made them in some way transhuman because if something is tormenting me so badly that I want to kill myself, <laughs> I can go find a way to kill myself. Right. I guarantee you that, yeah. right? It's saying that they can't even accomplish killing themselves. Yeah. And they just, that's, I mean, this has got to be the most horrible experience on earth because you just want to die. I think and so. And you can't die. And we know that the satanic global elite want eternal life without God. Yeah. All their in discoveries and, and um, scientific uh, exploration into genetic manipulation, AI, biometrics, transhumanism, is all bringing about what they ultimately want. They want to live forever in a body that it will allow them to continue to rule yeah. over us. That's what they want. And uh, they're going to get it when the Antichrist comes. Something about the mark is going to enable them to have this eternal life, but they'll experience hmm. pain. And it's not eternal life in reality. It's it's They think it is, yeah. but it's not. But they can't die until God puts them into the second death. That's really interesting because, you know. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks.
there's a lot of talk about um, achieving eternal life, and you just mentioned it, by mixing human life and AI, yeah. right? So this may be a crazy idea, but what if the bottomless pit being opened is actually an AI experience where all the people that have taken the mark of are going almost into like an AI world. Yeah. And we're coming up with it right now. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg's working on Metaverse or oh, whatever. Yeah. It's like the People Matrix. are going to go in and they're not going to come out. Yeah. But what if the bottomless pit, and I'm just throwing out a crazy idea, is an AI world that all of a sudden they're in this experience because of the mark and they can't get out. Yeah. Like your physical body can't get out because you're in an AI experience. I don't know. I'm like, I almost, That's wild. I almost think of the movie The Matrix where they're plugged in like batteries. Yeah. And the machines run everything. Yeah. yeah, it could very well be something Ooh, like that's that. Crazy. That's crazy. That's very sci-fi. Oh yeah, I think not this, fiction though. <laughs> I think this book is reality sci-fi. Yeah, you know, I really do. Uh, verse eight: They had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth. Well, I'm sorry. Verse seven: The shapes of the locusts were like unto horses prepared unto battle. Mm -hmm. Again, with the horses, we've already seen both good and bad potentially mm -hmm. entities ride them so these are like horses prepared to battle and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold their faces were as the faces of men they had hair as the hair of women and their teeth were as the teeth of lion um, they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron we, Ryan Peterson in the summit we discussed mm -hmm. uh, how this very much seems to uh, pertain to the fallen angels that sinned in Genesis 6 were in the pit and okay. maybe they've degenerated over these thousands of years into these creatures. Yeah. Uh, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. We're back to chariots of fire again. Mm -hmm. You know, there's fire, there's horses, there's chariots involved. And they had tails like unto scorpions and their stings and their tails and their power was to hurt men five months. So could these horses, chariots, locusts, all of this be symbolic of interplanetary type of craft that when they uh, open the portal is open it may be where they come from is in that realm and they'll appear from the sky yeah you know we think of the bottomless pit being in the earth and i think it probably is yeah yeah but you know you've got those uh, supposed conspiracy theories about there's a there's a realm inside the earth you yeah, know and yeah. the, the beings that live there and all that kind of stuff so yeah, well i mean there's only two percent of our cave system in the world has actually been mapped yeah we don't know what, what else is in there. And how much of Antarctica do we yeah. even know? Has it been explored, you know? Yeah. Um, if, and so if the angels of God clearly use some vehicles of conveyance, chariots of fire, we mm -hmm. know that, it would make sense that the fallen angels have access to the same technology. Yeah. And, and maybe at one point, you know, they had it, and then when they sinned, they were cut off from furthering and advancing it. But, uh, you know, man fell in, uh, from grace, and we're in a condition of sin now, and yet we continue to advance technologically. So why wouldn't fallen angels do the same? Yeah. You know. Hmm. Now, Zechariah 5, let's go back and look at this. Because we see some things that I believe are prophetic, and I think they directly tie into what's going on in the world today with sightings of UAPs and UFOs. Okay. So Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1, then I turned and lifted up mine eyes. And looked, and behold, a flying roll. So he looked up. So it's a flying roll. Now, a roll, so again, we're going to go to our 
Western way of thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm from Louisiana, so I think like a dinner roll. You're thinking like a cinnamon roll? Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> a crescent roll. This is like a scroll, though. I'm it? thinking of a good old New Orleans po' boy, French market. <laughs> You're thing. getting hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the roll there is a scroll. Okay. It's a book. So back in the day when books were made, they were rolled up around a wooden yeah. pole of type, and then it scrolled together. So it's cylindrical. Yeah. So some of these entities that we've spotted are they have the shape of like a tic tac. Yeah, yeah, that's how they're described. Like Maybe a, that's like a tic tac or a cigar or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Maybe that's the role here. <clears throat> and he said unto me, "What seest thou?" I answered, "I see a flying roll. The length thereof is twenty cubits. Remember, a cubit is the length of elbow to middle finger. Yeah, about eighteen inches. Okay. So we're talking a good thirty feet long, mm-hmm. right? And the breadth thereof ten cubits, or a good fifteen feet mm-hmm. wide. Yeah. So clearly a, the shape of a tic-tac, yeah. right? A giant one. Then said he unto me, this is the curse that goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. So it's a bad thing, whatever hmm. it is. It's a curse. And it says it goeth forth over the face of the whole earth. So it's gonna, they're going to cover the earth. Could this be a, a, a picture of an invasion? Of an wow. extraterrestrial okay. invasion. Yeah. For everyone that stealeth shall be cut off as on this side according to it, and everyone that sweareth shall be cut off as on that side according to it. It's almost like it's separating the good from the bad. Hmm. Okay. I will bring it forth, saith the Lord of hosts. I will bring it forth, he said. And it hmm. shall enter into the house of the thief, and into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name. I don't think he means this vehicle. This role is going to enter the house. The curse is. Yeah. So it's almost like these things come down and shoot forth something that emanates from them. It goes into the house like a vapor, a gas, uh, a ray. Yeah. Something. Some kind of communication or something. Yeah. And it goes into the house of him that sweareth falsely by my name, and it shall remain in the midst of his house and shall consume it with the timber thereof and the stones thereof, almost like it disintegrates. The the, wow. the home of the person that sins against the Lord. So perhaps, you know, this is related maybe somehow to the vaccine that turns people into transhumans. Hmm. You know, maybe yeah. it's the means by which it's going to administer this. You know, who knows? Yeah. Maybe this is how the mark is going to be administered. Something to think about. You know, because again, scrolls don't fly. So this flying roll is the the words the description. It's a shadow of a heavenly thing. It's a it's mm-hmm. a it's a symbolic writing. And then look in verse five. Then the angel that talked with me went forth and said unto me, Lift up now thine eyes and see what is this that goeth forth. Again, he's looking up. Mm-hmm. And I said, What is it? And he said, This is an ephah that goeth forth. Now ephah is a unit of measure. Okay. It's some amount, and uh, it. It could have been translated as an amount into to convert it, like the King James translator could have converted into whatever they used in their day. Okay. But they didn't. They left it, they gave it a Hebrew, they gave a Hebrew word an English spelling. <clears throat> in other words, they transliterated it, they didn't translate it. So an ephah is a unit of measure. Yeah. But it says that goeth forth. Right. So when you think of it, this is a cup. Okay. It's a unit of measure. Yeah. Eight ounces, right? Mm-hmm. But literally, it's a container. 
Okay. So units of measure were measured to be put in containers. Okay. The ephah, once measured out, was placed into a basket or clay pot or something. Okay. And when it, and most often in the Middle East, the shape of that. Have you ever seen like in India when a snake charmer plays a flute? You know, yeah. it's, it's a stereotype. I realize. Yeah. But it's usually a flat, mushed basket, and a yeah. cobra comes out of it. Right. Yeah. That's the ephah. Oh, okay. What does that look like today? A flying saucer. Yeah. Well, it has the shape of a tic tac, maybe. Or cylindrical, yeah. like a like a round basket. Yeah. Like a flat, fat round basket, mm -hmm. almost like a UFO. Mm -hmm. Okay. In my opinion. Um, well, it he, goes back to translation again, and exactly. the terminology that they. Yeah. Had. Exactly. Yeah. So we're trying to take symbolic word language. Yeah. To apply it to a physical thing, and the best he can describe it is because he'd never seen anything like this. Yeah. You know, Zechariah doesn't know what a UFO. A flying saucer. There was no such thing as a saucer. Yeah, right? exactly. So he's using ephah. This is an ephah mm -hmm. that goeth forth. He said, moreover, this is their resemblance through all the earth. Hmm. So there's more than one. Every time they appear all over the world, the ephahs are flying. And behold, there was lifted up a talent of lead. Talent is another measure. And there... And this is a woman that sitteth in the midst of the ephah. It's definitely a, a, a vehicle of some kind. If a woman is sitting in it, it's a means of conveyance. We know it's flying. We know it goeth forth. Hmm. It's a vehicle. And there's a woman in it. And he said, verse 8, this is wickedness. And he cast it into the midst of the ephah, and he cast the weight of lead upon the mouth of thereof, almost like a lid. Okay. The weight of lead, is, it's almost like it's metallic. Yeah. So it's almost like they're closing the top of it, you know. Uh, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, there came out two women. And the wind was in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a stork, some sort of angelic-type creature. Yeah. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So it's like like horses pulling a chariot. Yeah. Horses, a chariots of fire. Well, these winged women... Lift up the ephah. That's how it travels. Maybe they're the symbolic of the spirit of propulsion or something. I don't okay. know. And they lifted up the ephah between the earth and the heaven. So it's up high. Yeah, yeah. Then said I to the angel that talked with me, whither do these bear the ephah? Where are they taking it? And he said unto me to build it in house in the land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon their own base, the same place where the Tower of Babel was built. And is Shinar is that... Iraq, Iran, yeah, I think area? Today, Iraq, okay. yeah. So if the Afah is in the shape of a flying saucer, it appears that they may descend at some point when there's the invasion yeah. and set up headquarters in Shinar, hmm. Babylon. It's the same location, I believe, probably of the Tower of Babel. Now go to Daniel 12. We're going to wrap this up. Because here an angel speaking to Daniel is telling him to seal up a book. And when we discussed this at the debriefing summit, Ryan believes that the book that Daniel sealed here is the book that was in the hand of God when the Christ, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, took it out of his hand to open the seals. Okay. Yeah. So we're back to those seals again. And what came out of the seals? The horses. The same horses in Revelation 6 that were in Zechariah 6. So Daniel 12, look at verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. 
Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, have I thought of the time of the end as the time of tribulation? Mm -hmm. I now have a better understanding of it from Ryan, I think, that the time of the end has been going on for 2,000 years. Okay. The yeah. seals began to be opened. We've been in the beginning of sorrows for 2,000 years. Yeah. Paul said we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God 2,000 years ago. And he didn't mean the wrath, the great tribulation. He meant persecution, affliction, sufferings now. Yeah. That Christians have been going through forever since the 12. Yeah. I mean, right. our perception of the end times is 10 years, right? Yeah. But, I mean, as we know, a day to the Lord is a thousand years, Absolutely. right? Well, then you have 2,000 years since the death and resurrection of Christ. Well, yeah. then you're saying it's been going on for 2,022 years. Or two days. <laughs> two days. Or two right? days as yeah. to God, right? Exactly. So, um, shut up the book, he says, seal the book, even the, till the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase, be increased. Uh, and the running to and fro makes me think of what are we these horses and the chariots told to do? Walk yeah. to and fro. Yeah. All right. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, two angels, I would assume, the one on this side of the bank of the river and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time. And I think what he means is the final bit. That's, that's the last three and a half years. Okay. He just mentioned time, one year, times, two years, uh, half a time, half okay. a year. Add them together, three and a half. Yeah. So he's talking about the, the final wrath, the final bit of it. Uh, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. And hmm. I believe they were sealed until Jesus took the book out of the hand of God. Yeah. And began okay. to unseal it. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. And I think he's talking about in the 2,000 years. Okay. In the two days. But the wicked shall do wickedly, satanic global elite. Yeah. And none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Hmm. So in Zechariah, the horses go and chariots go to and fro. Many shall run to and fro in the time of the end. The horses in Revelation 6 are released in the time of the end, 2,000 years ago. It appears to be. And it appears we've been in the time of the end really since Israel became low MI. So whether it was uh, at the stoning of Stephen, you know, at the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, yeah. or at the fall and destruction of Jerusalem, that was all within the first century. It was either 33 AD. Stephen died in 33 AD too. Okay. And Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. So we're looking at either 2033 or 2070 in that range to complete two full days. Okay. 2,000-year periods, you know. Hmm. The day of the Lord is 1,000 years. Then, go back to verse 1 of this chapter. And at that time... Daniel 1 or Daniel 12? Daniel 12.1. 12.1. Yeah, 12.1. Okay. Verse 1, excuse me if I said chapter. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people... And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And that's the tribulation. Okay. That's the wrath of God. And we, we've been reading about 
these chariots of fire that appear and they're going around uh, uh, the earth mm -hmm. and those locust chariot horsemen flaming things that come yeah. out of the bottomless pit. Uh, and at that time, thy people Israel shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Michael appears to stand when the sixth seal is open, the time of trouble. Okay. So I would, I would associate Michael standing up when the sixth seal is open, which when we discussed it at the summit, we believe five seals have been opened and the sixth seal is the one that starts the tribulation. Okay. All right. So... Why do I bring that up? Because to close this out, it times it to me with Israel's being low am I. Yes. And during that time when they're not God's people, they don't have a prince. Michael is their prince. Yeah. It says, yeah. at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince. We know he's the archangel. Incidentally, he's the one that shouts when we go out in the rapture. Okay. So that tells me, oh, he stood up. <laughs> Does that have any correlation to Israel becoming a nation again? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So go with me to Hosea 3, right after Daniel. Just turn a couple of pages over to chapter 3. Okay. And notice verse 1 for the context. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. And this is a picture of Israel okay. turning against the Lord. According to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and a half omer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide from me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. And I think that's a reference to you're not going to be a nation, and I'm not going to be your God. Okay. He talked about that more specifically in chapter 1. But he says, hmm. okay. and that's, that's the picture, harlot abiding yeah. many days without a husband. Verse 4, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, Jesus Christ. They rejected him, he ascended to the Father. Yep. And without a prince, Michael. Michael, okay. No archangel protecting them. Yeah. And without a sacrifice, temple is gone. And without an image, without an ephod, without teraphim, afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Hmm. God's withdrawn his protection over Israel until they acknowledge their offense. Mm -hmm. I think we're very close to the time in which hmm. they're going to do so. And I think the UFO phenomenon is involved in the timing. I think we're, we're starting to see a proliferation of it. Yeah. And I think we're going to go into the next episode we discussed very shortly about alien abductions, and we're going to see the sinister agenda that they have. Why are they all around us anyway? Why are they showing up? Yeah, what are these yeah. UFOs doing? Well, they're abducting people yeah. for genetic experiments, and we're going to get into that, Lord willing, next time. Wow. So, yeah, hopefully there's been something in this that allows us to understand a little oh, bit more maybe. about what these things are. Maybe they're the chariots of God or the chariots of Satan. Yeah. As, as it were. And they're involved in a curse and wickedness. And we're going to get into just what kind of a wicked thing they're doing next week. Well, that was a mind bender right there. <laughs> cool. That was a good one. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Very much appreciate your support of us. And don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. And look for the upcoming changes on the new website. And really much appreciate you, John. Absolutely. And appreciate you guys for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening. 
If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode, and we so much appreciate you sharing with others and your friends and tell them about the show. We'd also love it if you'd one more time consider joining Bible Mysteries Premium Podcast as a subscriber. Absolutely. And keep in mind that your subscription helps us get the word out to as many people as we can possibly reach. So we appreciate you partnering with us. Don't forget, it's BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. And thanks again for joining us today.